Hey everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today I'd like to talk to you about the battle over today's young women. I know so many of you are burdened for the young women in your life, whether it's a younger sibling or if you're a mom, you're burdened for your daughter, or maybe just younger women in your life that you see going the wrong direction and you wonder how you can reach them, how you can really engage in the crisis that is facing so many of today's young women, even starting as young as 10, 11, 12 years old. First of all, it is so crucial to be aware of the battle that young women today are facing. We're in the middle of doing a mentoring online summit this week, and one of the things that I'm emphasizing in the summit is that mentoring for young women today needs to be more than just sort of a friendly big sister, meet at a coffee shop and just give some nice advice and just hang out and do fun things together. Because the battle for today's young women is so intense, they need more than that. They need people who will really fight for them spiritually and lead them to the true solution, which is the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. I will never forget a moment when Eric and I were speaking to a group of parents, and they were the parents of a, a group of teenagers. We had done a seminar for teens the night before on godly relationships, and then the next day we were speaking to their parents about how they could encourage their children to choose God-centered romance and set-apart living. And as I was sitting in this parents' seminar, one of the moms raised her hand during the Q&A time and said, you know, everything that you're talking about sounds really good, but we want our kids to be normal. And it was really interesting to see that because the teens had responded wholeheartedly to that message of giving their lives fully to Jesus Christ and living in true purity and honor. But the parents were the ones who were hesitant, saying, well, we want our kids to be normal. And one of the things that I began to say whenever parents would say that to us is that if you knew what normal was in today's culture, you would never want that for your kids. And even for me, I was in high school over 20 years ago, but I remember so vividly my experience walking down the hallways at school or sitting on the bus. And just in those 15 minute periods of time where there wasn't very much adult supervision, the amount of perversion and the amount of sin that I was exposed to was absolutely shocking. And I think if my parents would have known, they would have been just horrified because they had protected me from those things all growing up and didn't really understand how drastically things had changed from the time they were in high school to the time I was in high school. And my experience took place over 20 years ago. So it only stands to reason that things have not gone in a, a better direction since then. And I know from my experience in working with young women over the past 20 years that what they're facing is even more extreme than a lot of the things that I faced when I was their age. A lot of them are making a deliberate choice to live in a sensual way to sort of garner the wrong kind of attention from guys because they want to avoid ridicule. And I know that for me, I, I fell into that trap too. I was really the brunt of a lot of cruel teasing and taunting when I was younger. And I made that deliberate choice to say, if I can learn how to be um, treated like sort of a sex object, I will get at least better attention than being made fun of all the time. And so I purposely try to make myself into that image, which is really sad. I see a lot of girls fall into that pattern because they figure, well, that kind of attention from boys is better than being modest 
mocked and made fun of. Another thing that I did in my teen years was I made a deliberate choice to push my parents away. And it wasn't because I disliked my parents, but it was because everyone in my life told me that it was normal at this age of my life to push my parents away and to assume that they didn't understand anything I was going through. And so because I wanted to be normal, I wanted to fit in, I made the choice to push them away and start treating them disrespectfully and not really sharing things with them. I was exposed to things in high school that my parents never experienced. In fact, when I was 13 years old, it was the first opportunity that I had to become involved in an immoral relationship. Now, my parents were just starting to talk to me about those kinds of things, thinking I wouldn't face that temptation until I was many years older. But the reality is that the temptation is starting at a shockingly young age for a lot of young women today. Now, thankfully, I knew enough to say no to that when I had that opportunity at the age of 13, but my parents were not prepared and they hadn't really equipped me to face this intense battle that I was walking through every single day. And I know so many young women today are facing that exact same struggle. When God got a hold of my life at about the age of 16, I began to radically alter every part of my existence. I began to understand what the true Christian life was really all about and no longer just try to fit Christ into my life and live like the world but truly build my life around him and allow him to transform every area of my life. And I stopped dating around. I stopped dressing immodestly. I stopped just hanging out with shallow friends that were really only interested in the popularity rat race. And my whole life just began to really alter. And really, for the first time in my life, I discovered true peace and true fulfillment when I wasn't following the pattern of the world. As I shared a little bit about some of the things I'd gone through in high school, a lot of people in my life actually didn't believe me. I remember one time being invited to a Moms in Touch group just to share with the moms my testimony and what God had done in my life. And when I touched on some of the things I faced in my public high school and some of the temptations and the pressures, they did not believe me. They thought I was just making it up or some of them thought that I was um, an exception to the rule. So I had sort of maybe chosen the wrong group of friends. But in reality, the things I was walking through at that time in my life were very normal and very common, and they are still today. Over the past 20 years in working with young women, I've come to realize that my story really isn't very uncommon. A large majority of today's young women are exposed to far more than I ever was. And even those from more sheltered backgrounds are often exposed to things that their parents have no idea because the culture is relentless. The culture is strategically targeting young women to destroy their lives from a young age. I remember getting a letter from a 12-year-old girl once who told me that her mom was the one who was telling her to go out there and get involved in immoral relationships at the age of 12. And I remember getting a letter from a 14-year-old girl who said her mom told her never get married because she'd only end up getting divorced. She said, you know, marriage is basically a joke. And so a lot of times young women are not even gaining support or solid footing in their own home from the people who should be their advocates. A lot of times those very those very people who should be their support system are um, really being a wrong influence in their life. So... In order to really reach today's young women, it is vital to be aware of the battle and to not just assume that uh, all they need is a friendly big sister in their life. They really need someone who's ready to enter the battle with them. There was a documentary that PBS did quite a number of years ago, probably 10 or 15 years ago, about a group of teens from a suburb of Atlanta. And 
that documentary has stood out to me ever since I watched it. It was so absolutely amazing. Here was a group of, of maybe two or 300 teens who grew up in wealthy suburban homes. They had every privilege. They were from Christian families, most of them. They were going to church on Sunday mornings, and yet behind the scenes, they were living this secret life of extreme immorality, which led to a massive outbreak of sexually transmitted disease, and the health department had to come in and literally call an emergency meeting with all the parents in that county because it was spreading so fast. And for the most part, the parents were in complete denial. And really, it wasn't because these kids were living on the streets or on drugs or in gangs. They just were going the way of the culture. They were just giving into the pressures that were all around them. And that's how widespread it is. As I've traveled around the past 20 years and and interacted with young people, I've realized that that is not that unusual. Now, it may be unusual for the health department to have to step in, but that type of lifestyle really isn't that unusual. In 2003, there was a show done um, that Oprah did on the secret sex lives of teens, and really it was very eye-opening, I think, to a lot of parents because somebody on her staff interviewed 50 teen girls and their parents to kind of see what was going on in this area of kids' lives. And this is a little excerpt from what the interviewer said on that show. She said, We interviewed 50 teenagers and their moms for an article on the secret sex lives of teens, and most parents are in absolute denial. That is what I found absolutely shocking. And what was even more interesting is, in talking to the 50 teens, I'd first get the mother on the phone and ask her permission to talk to the teen. And some of the mothers would say things like, don't say anything too vulgar to my 12-year-old. Well, then the 12-year-old would get on the phone and fill me in at the at the age of 30 on some things I'd never heard about, things that would really floor you. Some of it I can't even say on daytime television. And then she goes on to say, I want to make it clear that this is not just a single parent inner city problem. I was talking to mothers of teens where there are two parents in the home, both working a gazillion hours, trying to provide a life for their children. And the irony is that those children are hijacking their own futures before they can really get off the ground. And that was exactly what happened with the children in the suburb of Atlanta that PBS did the documentary on. Now, a lot of girls are still being sheltered from these things. I have a 12-year-old daughter, and I know she's not being exposed to this, being homeschooled and having you know a lot of parent involvement in every area of her life. But we need to understand, even those of us who are from more sheltered backgrounds or raising our children in more sheltered backgrounds, just being in a Christian environment is not always enough to stand up against the temptations of this culture because the culture is going after young women today in a relentless way. Statistics say that between 60 and 80 percent of church young people are leaving their faith by the time they reach their college years. Why is that the case? All too often, we are really failing to disciple them into a personal life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. They're not seeing a Christianity that really works. They may be hearing a lot about Christian morals or Christian rules, but they, they are not really seeing a vibrant daily relationship with Jesus Christ in our life, and we're not training them how to have that in their own life. What is God's solution for the crisis facing today's young women? If you think about it, God does have an answer for this because it's easy to look at this whole situation and think, oh, it's just hopeless. You know, it's gone too far in the wrong direction, but it's not hopeless at all. And I'm finding more and more women are becoming burdened for the younger generation. And I don't believe that burden is there by accident because he desires 
listeners to work through you and through me to reach them with his message of hope and truth. When a young woman comes to the place where Jesus Christ is her all in all, when she is captivated by him, when he overtakes her life and he becomes the most important thing to her, you will not have to constantly tell her how to live and give her a whole bunch of rules and remind her not to do this and not to do that because she will be so in love with Jesus Christ and the motive of her heart to live in purity and to live in honor is to please and love her king, her Lord. And that really needs to be our goal when we're entering this battle for today's young women. First of all, we need to recognize that they are in a battle. And second of all, we need to understand that the only solution for this battle is for them to encounter Jesus Christ in a life-changing and personal way. Now, you may be wondering if you can really make a difference in the lives of today's young women, especially those who are involved in such extreme struggles, extreme immorality. One of the things I remember when Eric and I were first looking at the orphan crisis and feeling a bit overwhelmed at the fact that there were 143 or more million orphans in the world, how could we possibly make a difference? And God's clear word to us was start with one. And that's exactly what he led us to do. We started by adopting one little girl from Korea. And then he led us into further steps. And I think when it comes to entering this battle for young women, oftentimes that's the place we need to be brought to is, Lord, I want to start with one. Give me your heart for the one that you want me to reach. And keep in mind that the one that he wants you to start with might be right in your very own family. Titus 2, 4, and 5 says, older women teach the younger women. You're probably familiar with that verse. In the context, it means to lead by example. So if you're thinking, well, I'm really too young. I'm not really an older woman yet. I can't, you know, I'm 14 or 15 or 16. I'm not in that category really where I can teach yet or lead a Bible study. But even if you don't really feel like you're an older woman, you can make an eternal difference in the lives of younger girls at any stage of your life. A 13-year-old can have a huge influence over an 11-year-old. An 18-year-old can be an incredible example to a 15-year-old and so on. You don't have to wait until you've reached some specific age in order to begin leading by example, reflecting Christ's love and hope to the younger women in your life. Now, you may be on the opposite end of the spectrum, thinking that you're too old and out of touch with the younger generation. I've talked to a lot of middle-aged women who don't feel like they can really really relate anymore to what teens are going through today. But the reality is that young women are longing for godly older women who will love them, pray for them, disciple them, and invest into their lives spiritually. You don't have to have special qualifications or somehow be in tune with youth culture in order to reach them. You need a willing yielded heart that is in tune with God's spirit. And if you're in tune with the spirit of God, it doesn't matter if you're in tune with youth culture. He will show you what they need and how to show his love to them. So remember, young women today are in a crisis. It's a battle for their heart, their mind, their soul, and their future. And you have been called by God to enter this battle and fight on their behalf, especially if you have young women in your life that you have direct influence over. So how do we gain God's heart for today's young women? Sometimes I think it's easy to look at a young woman's life and see compromise and worldliness there and just feel like, you know, she's not even hungry for truth. So why should I even bother investing in her life? But in my 20 plus years of working with young women, I've really seen the opposite. They are longing for someone who will care enough about them to challenge the way that they're living. They're ready to respond. A lot of them are, but often they're just not given the opportunity. They're looking for a better way to live. 
A lot of them even wish that they had parents who would care enough about them to be stricter with them and hold them to a higher standard and not just be so busy and distracted and let them kind of go off on their own. Now, it's true that not all young women are ready to immediately respond to truth. Some have become so entrenched in their sinful patterns that it's going to be a process to see them fully set free. And it can be really tempting to get angry and frustrated with the young women in our lives because we see them making the wrong choices. But if we're trying to communicate truth in anger and frustration, we're not going to get anywhere. James 1.20 says that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness that God desires, which shows us that it won't be human frustration or anger that will win a young woman to Christ. It will be the love of Christ shining through us that will draw her heart to him. The best investment you can ever make in a young woman's life is to lead her into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. It's easy to become overwhelmed by the many problems and sins that young women are oftentimes bogged down with, but the solution is often very simple, a lot more simple than we sometimes realize. Because when a young woman develops a daily personal intimate relationship with Christ, she has the power to become victorious in every area of her life. When Jesus becomes her foundation, you're not going to constantly have to give her that list of rules to follow and tell her that she needs to be living an upright life. Like I said before, she'll be drawn to living a Christ-honoring life because of the love that she feels for him. When I was in my late teen years, I was so impacted by the example of Eric's sister, Chrissy. I've talked about her before on this podcast, but she showed me what it looked like to live a pure and holy life out of a love relationship with Jesus Christ. She was a young woman, and yet she lived so differently than the world around her. She was set apart in what she said, how she spent her free time, what she wore, how she interacted with the opposite sex. There was just such a set apartness about her, and yet she was so passionately in love with Jesus Christ, it was very obvious that she did not live that way because of rules or legalism, but because of her love for him. And that's what we need to be doing in our mentoring relationships with young women. If you have influence over any young woman today, show her and teach her practically what it means to build an intimate daily relationship with Jesus Christ. And remember, you may have to get specific and practical when you're doing that. Young women need to be told, you know, this all this time that you're spending on Facebook and texting is actually hindering you from having a quiet time every day. Here's how it looks to have a quiet time and to pray and to study your Bible. And here's what you can pray about. And here's how you can be still and let God speak to your heart. And here's some amazing books that you can read from Christian history that will encourage you, etc. A lot of times they just need those practical tools. So remember, when you take a stand for modern young women, you are entering a battlefield. Don't try to reach girls in your life with a friendly pat on the arm and a few motivational words, because if you do, you're just going to be putting a Band-Aid over a much bigger issue. They don't need pop psychology and feel-good messages. They need the truth that sets free. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me, and that can be all women as well. Remember that it's not going to be chick flicks, spa parties, rock concerts, or other trendy methods that will change a young woman's life and awaken her to the gospel. It will be the pure, uncompromising, timeless truth of Jesus Christ. So don't allow frivolity and feel-good messages to distract a young woman from coming to grips with what her soul really needs, which is brokenness over her sin and a powerful, life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. If you don't feel like you know where to start or how to really invest in the young women in your life, 
offer God what you have. And it may just be a few fishes and loaves, but he is the one who multiplies and causes those steps of obedience to bear fruit. I love the story of Gladys Aylward, who is one of the most effective missionaries the world has ever known. When she started out to reach China for Christ, she had no special talent or qualification to do what she did. She was an uneducated parlor maid who simply had a burden for the unsaved people in China, but she offered her fishes and loaves to Jesus, and she said this, I put my Bible on the bed, beside it my copy of Daily Light, and at the sight of that, all the money that I had, which was a small handful of coins. What a ridiculous little collection it seemed but I said simply oh God here's the Bible about which I long to tell others here's my daily light that every day will give me a new promise and here is all the money that I have if you want me I am ready to go to China with these and with that simple offering of a few fishes and loaves her ministry began, and God used her life to change the world for eternity. Near the end of her life, she told a group of believers, if God has called you to China or any other place, and you are sure in your own heart, let nothing deter you. Remember, it is God who has called you, and it is the same as when he called Moses or Samuel. What a powerful statement. God has actually called each one of us to ministry, whether it's to reach one or to reach thousands with the hope of the gospel. So we don't need to overcomplicate the process. We are just call to take one step of obedience at a time, knowing that he will back us up as we surrender to him. Make your ministry all about him instead of all about you. Offer your fishes and loaves with an expectant heart and then watch as he does his mighty works. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into mentoring the young women in your life, join us for our online summit, which is taking place this week only. You can learn more at braveheartedchristian.com. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.